0: <coughs>
1: Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, Pottering Around, the crumple-horned snorkak article that got pushed in favor of Bangum Reads. We are three muggles who also have a few newspaper articles we'd like to start shouting obscenities. Uh, My name is Sarah. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing?
2: Doing fine, Sarah. I will have questions. Brace yourself. I will have questions about certain possibly in-series mythical creatures at the end of this episode.
1: (laughs) I Mm. may or may not have answers. We, We will see.
0: My favorite thing about this is it's been like a year, maybe more, since we've recorded a Mangum Raids
1: episode. It's
2: still near and dear to our I hearts.
1: I know. I think about it every time I write the intro. And
0: it's just like, this is definitely not the uh, ugly redheaded stepchild of Mangum Reads.
1: Listen, when you are myth making about yourself, BJ, you have to choose a narrative that you're going to follow. And we are the plucky underdog. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs>
0: We are tilting at the windmill that is now...
1: (laughs) That was our own (laughs) podcast to begin with. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So we are on chapter 26 of the fifth book of Harry Potter. The chapter is titled Seen and Unforeseen. And um, it's a long one.
0: I am super excited about this chapter because almost nothing happens. There is very little conversation... And
1: a summary is going to be a piece of cake, so... It's going to go one way or the other. <laughs> that is um, one interpretation. We we have some segments that we do here. We do have a rapid-fire recap. We have BJ's Wizard Wheezes, Newbie's Notes with Spencer. We award house points, and then there are questions. Indeed. Period. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sarah, as BJ just entered it, do you have a thought about how long this recap will take?
1: Yeah, I did my notes this morning and then uh, practiced my recap. And first time around, it was a solid three minutes.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, can't bet on that one.
1: No. So then I went through and did a, I, I must say, a ruthless edit. And uh, BJ's going to hate it. <laughs> so I'm going to put a bet in because oh, why not? Why not? Uh, and I am, I am betting 146. You
0: cut it in half, I did. I
1: did. I did essentially cut cut the recap in half.
0: It's going to be very German.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to be one giant word for the whole recap? That's that's true. That it capture, captures the essential heart of this chapter. <laughs> All right, Perfectly. Well, we, you, you got your bet. I've got <clears throat> the stopwatch whenever you're ready. I feel like I should have had some water before I did this instead of yet another cup of coffee, but here we go. Harry does the interview with Rita Skeeter and goes into a holding pattern waiting for it to go out. Cho's ignoring Harry, Hermione asks how the date went and then explains how he should have told her about going to meet Hermione. Ron comes in from Quidditch practice, which continues to be a nightmare, a feeling that's borne out at the game on Saturday. Harry goes to sleep mad at Umbridge, which is not ideal for his occlumency practice. He dreams again of the corridor and the door, convinced he'll be able to open it this time, but Ron snores jolting him awake. At breakfast the next morning, there's a flurry of owls waiting for Harry. The Quibbler article came out. The response letters are mixed, but people are definitely reading the article. Umbridge is furious. Harry's immediately banned from Hogsmeade visits. Points are taken and a new educational decree banning the Quibbler is issued. That last does more than anything else to ensure that the entire school will read the article, including Cho, who's back on speaking terms with him, and Seamus, who's come around. After a hero celebration in the common room, Harry dreams he is Voldemort in conversation with Rookwood, who's come to him with new information. Malfoy put Bode under an imperious curse to remove something, but he wasn't able to and fought the curse. Avery is sent for, but Harry catches sight of himself in the mirror, panics, and wakes up. Harry tells Hermione the next morning, who picks up the breadcrumbs on Malfoy, Bode, Sturgis, Podmore, and the Department of Mysteries, but Harry's got to double down on Occlumency. Harry is pissed and his brain's fried for his lessons with Snape, who catches sight of the dream. Harry casts Protego in the next go-around, which puts 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 him briefly into Snape's head. Things are really going sideways when there's a scream from the entrance hall. They go to investigate and find a crowd watching Trelawney being kicked out of Hogwarts by Umbridge. Trelawney's distraught. McGonagall's trying to comfort her. Umbridge is gleeful. Is that Dumbledore's music? Umbridge starts citing educational decrees, but that has nothing to do with who can live at the castle. Trelawney can keep her rooms, which won't be needed by the next teacher Dumbledore's found. Enter Centaur Ferenz, who will be our next astronomy teacher.
2: That's cheating. I don't... I, that, I thought it was very appropriate dramatic pauses to get her across the line. 143.65 with some appropriate building dramatic tension.
1: <laughs> Listen, I'm just proud of myself for being actually able to keep two things in my head at one time to get to the bet in the first place.
0: That, that was very good. So <laughs> my favorite thing about these summaries that, that when you do uh, cuts like this and is that you're getting more to like where I would do the summaries. And so like you're leaning in more towards how i would do things and and i want to commend you on that and say voice my appreciation for for the the jagged knife that you are taking to the the ramblings of these chapters and summarizing them in in such a concise and perfect way Selling success with bj (laughs) i'm i'm being serious this this is much more to how i would do it
1: bj's bj's rewriting the entire harry potter series and it's going to be one slim novella
0: (laughs) on that subject bj (laughs) yeah
1: what are we wheezing about
0: um well we're wheezing about two main uh uh, things that amuse me to no end the first is um an acknowledgement that jk rowling had some really bad dates when she was in (laughs) high school and really weird interactions, and maybe a little bit of self-reflection um, a- a- as to, like, what was happening during her high school years, and then putting it in novel form to be like, y'all are idiots. Let me lay it out for you in about a page and a half. Well,
1: what I like about this, I assume you're you're referring to Hermione's advice to Harry at the beginning of this chapter. Yes. What I like about the advice is that it is true, but also, like, terrible interpersonal advice.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, and if we have anything to go by, you know, how JK Rowling lives her life, I I think that it's not, uh, off. So, (laughs) it's, it's so funny. It's, it's such a, like, let me tell you how this goes. You're an idiot, and, uh, like, you can't talk about other girls, and it's like, okay, this kind of makes sense, uh, and... I don't know. It, it it's it's so wonderfully out of place. Like this is this is just an adult stepping into Hermione's shoes for for a page and a half because J.K. Rowling is is tired of all the nerds that read her book not being able to like interact with each other and just you know slips this in for mm-hmm. you know personal reasons as opposed to Hermione actually. I, we've had hints of it maybe but not like this
1: well this is like yeah i i think you're actually i think you're right because i i buy the moments before where like hermione at least has emotions like a human and therefore can to um to her point in an early earlier chapter just because ron has the emotional span of a teaspoon or whatever it is um <laughs> other people might actually know and care what, what other people are feeling. But yeah. I buy those moments. Like, that, that feels fine. This is tactical advice on how to manipulate your girlfriend. <laughs> it,
2: it, was, it was an interesting little spiel. I'm with you guys. It didn't come across... It, it, it so came out of nowhere. It so, <laughs> it, it so came across as being a, like a Cliff Notes copied, paste, inserted into the text kind of moment I almost interpret it as being like a jokey moment between friends, particularly because Harry's response to it is to be bemused. Uh, so I, if, like, if, like, if like it was performed on stage, I'd almost recommend that the, like, the play production make it that Hermione's obviously being joking, like she's obviously playing up a little spiel to kind of be funny and make Harry feel a little bit better, and that might be a better way to do it. And I'm almost willing to in, you know, like re- revise my headcanon to read it that way. They end with, you should write a book.
0: Ron does when he swoops in, having not been there for the conversation. I mean, and Harry agrees, and it, it, it's just, and and this should have been ended with the more you know, with the rainbow and the star, and <laughs> it yeah. would have been just, just perfect.
1: I don't, yeah, I think I think Hermione is weirdly serious here. Uh, Hermione's and think, always weirdly serious, and I think that Harry takes it as as weirdly serious too. But I also don't think that he has like. I don't think that he has enough forethought to be able to implement any of this advice, so it kind of comes no, out in the it, wash in the, in the it, end it, anyway.
2: It's a weird moment, because Hermione's the, always trying to be the one adult in the room, but the problem is, is that she's kind of ignoring her own role in setting up this failure if she's going to be the one adult in the room of where... Hermione, yeah. you are the one that knew that Harry was on a date, but you're the one that told him to leave the date or bring Cho and go to you with none of the rest of this advice provided whatsoever. You can't have it both ways, Hermione. If you're going to act the superior know-it-all adult, you have to also realize that your two friends are not, and are not going to see this coming from your perspective before they, of course, should have seen it coming. So you
1: set this stone a-rolling. You can acknowledge that? It's a weird moment all around from her, I think.
0: So we have two problems with Hermione this chapter. and the second problem is the exact opposite which is Hermione completely leans in to with everybody else and's like let's forget what you saw in your dream because it's useful information and not tell anybody and put more effort into your occlumency. the how I, like I if if this follows basically everything that that's been happening in this book Hermione is gonna do something that is off screen come in with a plan laid out and just like shove Harry along but it's kind of boring and meh like when when stories do this like I don't know I didn't I didn't really the, the whole uh scene the last chapter where Hermione sets up this interview and the whole thing with Rita Skeeter like it was sort of fine to be blindsided by that but like more sort of like why not just talk about it because like it's in it's much more interesting to see to be able to have seen hermione put this together than just like have the edges of it and um i guess we're I, it feels like we're getting that again and and i find that a little frustrating but also kind of funny that that it's just like a all right we're gonna lean into let's like not tell anybody about this stuff um and um i mean you know I, I, I try and have my wheezes be a little bit more on, on the fun and entertaining side. But like, maybe this is also a place to voice a little bit of frustration where it feels like J.K. Rowling doesn't know how to write smart characters. And so they, they, all, they do it off screen and then the results happen <laughs> on screen.
1: I don't I think that's a I don't know. I think that's an ungenerous read. I, um... <laughs> yes, it, it, it very much
0: is. But that's kind of what like this feels like with a lot of what Hermione does happening off screen. And it being like, oh, well, that was interesting and fun, but we don't it, see it. it. It's interesting because
2: I, I had a different level of frustration with respect to that that conversation of where I connected to my continual frustration about everyone just uh, trusting Dumbledore is God, not second-guessing him, or just going along with his plans. Cause Hermione seems to be grounding it in, well, Dumbledore told you you need to do this training and block your mind from this, so clearly you've got to do that and just ignore everything else that you've been seeing and experiencing, which I found just as frustrating fr- from that perspective. Which kind of ties into your own thing about D- Dumbledore is being viewed in universe as the god manipulator, Spider Master who cannot can do no wrong, and so no one's willing to do an action that it, they they think might rub wrong what they assume his
1: plans are without actually knowing what those plans are. Well, and then <laughs> what's so, but what is so interesting is that like. Even as we get the edges of that frustration, right? And we've been getting it kind of from Harry this entire, entire book, who is actually mm-hmm. the, voice of, the voice of that frustration. Um, and his dubious recommitments to Occlumency are in spite of Dumbledore, not because of Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we have Dumbledore emerge from the rafters at the end of this chapter when we haven't seen him for half a book at this point.
2: But he's had yep. plans in motion the whole time.
0: And also, like, it's super funny because everybody... It feels like Dumbledore has an open office policy and, like, no one ever visits. And and <laughs> I, 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 I just imagine, like, he has some sort of game set up with the, the headmasters. And, and they have, like, uh, office entrance pools and... and <laughs> There's a continual loss uh, on Dumbledore's part. It's just like, well, I thought somebody was going to come in today, but apparently not. Yeah,
2: I I would love if Dumbledore just has a giant book sitting on his desk out there in the open saying, my epic plans, and he's just ready to go through the entire book with whoever walks into his office. (laughs) Nobody comes. Everybody just assumes it's (laughs) a mystery, but no, he's... He was ready to do the full on villain monologue For everything he's been doing for the entire series And there was just no one there to listen And it could
0: have been Voldemort And he still would have done the same thing Sick. like He's so starved for conversation he,
2: he's, he spends the entire year Just talking to that damn hat in the phoenix That's all that's
0: in his room with him Anything further BJ? Uh, no I, I think that There are a lot of other things but, but I think that's it for the For my wheezing this chapter
2: well, in terms of newbies notes, I'll start off with, you go, Neville. Just, again, I've I, I, I felt a lot of a kindred spirit with Neville over the course of this series, and I love the character arc that he's going on. We <laughs> open this text with him being one of the main people that, you know, from a very similar perspective to Harry, is encouraging him on that, yeah, Harry, you did good. I'm sure it was really hard, because it would have been hard for me, too, but it's important. hmm Yes, well done, Neville. Uh, as we acknowledge, Termini, you can't be the voice of reason and then only do that after the fact. You can't. If you see it coming and you're the one who apparently should have seen it coming, you will know it all. You, you you set Harry up for failure here, which I almost find amusing. Uh though Harry's summary at the end of Then I could have t- just told her I fancy her and she wouldn't have had to give herself all get herself all worked up again about Cedric dying <laughs> may be one of the most hairy summaries ever. <laughs> you are emotionally dead inside, sir. Uh Hermione not being into sports, I guess, is in character. Actually, she's never really been into Quidditch in the past, but it's never really come up. But her focus then about how the sports are fostering inter-house competition, and that's not a good thing right now, is interesting. It kind of ties into a lot of commentary we've seen before about the school is almost designed to make the houses be constantly at each other's throats, when that doesn't seem like it was the original intent.
0: Well... For Quidditch or just in general?
2: In general, with Quidditch being a further example of that.
0: Hmm I, I I feel like I need to push back on that one. I Go feel on, like that, please. 100 was the original intent because of who established the different houses and who they were letting in. I mean, what? Slytherin was just like no only tr- only you know true full blooded wizards and and what I, I feel I... like the other two houses honestly were sort of afterthoughts, but. Um,
2: I, I remember the hat's speech, where the hat gave that little sing song speech about how the purpose was for all the houses to come together and work together and be and, and, and differing views brought together under the same roof so they can find a common cause. Wasn't that, that, feels, wasn't that the hat's kind of speech?
1: Yes, but that feels a little bit like revisionist history to me. Uh, aspirational. <laughs> yes, yeah.
0: I mean, if Griffin, if the head of Hogwarts was not a Gryffindor, that would not have been that speech.
2: Mm. Uh, I will, though, no- no note to Hermione that. If you are going to continue dating Ron, a little of your happiness should depend on his goalkeeping? Because she's not to dating him. Ron. They're doing something. They they're probably
1: <laughs> Guys, I'm gonna tell you right now that they really aren't. Like you have you are <laughs> reading into Ron
0: might think that they're kind of dating. Hermione doesn't. this may factor into our assumption that, you know, eighty percent of the book is occurring off camera. I, I feel like Ron's interactions with Hermione are kind of the like the will they won't they have kind of gone towards the will they uh rather than won't they. But I, I do think that Hermione and um oh what's his name from uh Darmstrang. Crum? Uh, Crum. Ne- She's still writing like letters to Crum. I... And, you know, they're they're not they're they're a little warm on under the colour.
2: I've really only ever really seen them as platonic.
0: Who knows? <laughs> uh, Depends on the dancing they were doing.
2: Eh. Uh Ron continuing to suck and Ginny instead being the virtuoso is a messing with my expectations that I find fun. It's like, it would have been a lot easier for Ron to start to improve at this point, but the fact that he's continuing to suck and it's continuing to be painful and they're continuing to sing Weasley is our king <laughs> is in- is is legitimately more interesting than what what, what, what they could otherwise could have done. That would have been simpler.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I don't think I ever realized that you pay the delivery owls. Hermione gives the delivery owl a coin when it drops something off for her? Have, have for they the for
1: the papers. They do.
2: Oh, you pay them like the post boys.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you for the newspaper, you pay them.
2: Please tell me the owls arrive with a little newsboy caps on. I want that now. <laughs>
0: Also, I assume they only deliver one paper each because it'd be super funny to just wait. Carrying a bundle on the back. (laughs) Yeah, maybe
1: they have different, like, uh, bulk delivery birds. (laughs) A great horned owl flies in. I was thinking a
0: little bit more like, Rowling was like, so Lord of the Rings is canon here and just oh, so often An for, eagle. For, for the bulk deliveries instead <laughs> of uh 18 wheelers we, we have <laughs> sometimes they drop off hobbits you know it's you, your tesla has arrived <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, I do appreciate the diversity in the responses to Harry's article that felt delightfully authentic to just get a full range of people calling him all mixes of crazy versus ladies sending him messages saying, you're my hero, and including pictures in the letter to which Ron can just (laughs) respond wow to. (laughs) Nice mix.
0: Mm -hmm. It's Uh, also interesting, like, what was your expectation for the readership of of this newspaper? Mm -hmm. Like, it feels like either something happened and people got wind that this was actually an article worth reading. Um maybe they follow Rita Skeeter, but like also her columns were probably should have been in the quibbler to start out with anyway. Yeah. Um so it does feel a little bit weird. Um but like who and why are we uh is actually reading this? I'm
2: I'm I'm kind of with you there, Beatrice. My assumption about the quibbler was that the readership would be cranks. But I figured, you know, if the Quippler knew its marketing and Rita Skeedler in particular knew her marketing, they probably did a little bit of advanced advertisement of look, Rita's back and she's got a fresh new expose column, and so some of her readership has now followed her.
1: And I think I think that it is the like wor- word travels fast um mm-hmm. within this yeah. pretty insular word community. And like everybody is interested in Harry Potter and like yeah. the nonsense that like I I do think that Um, we can quibble about how much Hermione should have been able to like pull this plan off or how much it should have been in the background. But I do think that the, the sense that the public is hungry for a different version of the story than the ministries and the daily profits was right. And that's why this is getting so, even though it's in this like nonsense newspaper, why it's getting such reach so fast.
2: We we see that in the story of where everyone, everyone, including the class that was previously utterly indifferent to the news, is waiting for their copy of the Daily Prophet this yes. morning. They're starved for more information on this particular topic. So an alternative Which... perspective would be very happily seized upon.
1: Yeah. I also love, I do think that the one thing that Rowling has gotten consistently right in this book particular, and in, in some previous books as well, is how washing of information <laughs> works mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep.
2: It, the 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 uh i'm suddenly blanking on the name of the artist uh i'll i'll, I'll look it up here in a second but yes yeah, any effort to delete things from the internet tends to go the exact opposite direction quickly Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: beyonce maybe
2: no it was some, some I'll, I'll i I, it, it, I i will look it up here's um, during the question segment
0: okay um you should look up the picture of, I think it's Beyonce and the picture of Oh, that from she the Super Bowl? To, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that, that was a more modern example, but there's actually a name for the trope that I'll, I'll look up here in a bit Streisand effect. Thank you. Good Lord, I could not remember <laughs> Streisand for the life of me. But she tried, to, she tried to delete a picture of her house from Google Earth, and it had the complete opposite effect once the internet found out.
1: Every yeah. time. Every time.
2: Uh, it, a question for the group. I'm very curious if y'all's views. When. Umbridge, right a acu- segment for it.
0: No, we should get called out too.
2: No, no, no. This is just general <laughs> pondering, and there isn't a right, right or wrong answer to this. I'm curious. Do you guys believe that when Umbridge calls Harry a liar, she believes it? Yeah, simply that. Is, is this? Does she believe it? Is it an act of double think, or is she just purposely lying herself to toe the Ministry byline?
1: I think that she. Well, go ahead, BJ. You go first.
0: Um. Okay. I mean, I was gonna say, like, I, I don't think she read it. And I think that she has an opinion of Harry that has nothing to do with anything that comes out of his mouth, um, and so she rightly believes that he is a liar, and it doesn't matter what he says. Like, there, there's no, uh, like, I don't think she's ever heard him lie, or, uh, like, thought about, like, what he's saying, whether it's truth or not, but there's sort of the ministry byline of, we want to repress that information, or... This information whatever it is and so she's like he is a liar and that's what he is that's who he is as opposed to what he's saying or lies
1: i think she's trying desperately hard to make it true to make it true that he's lying um so i think there's a lot of cognitive dissonance going on in her own head um whether at the the like core of her she believes that he's lying that voldemort's back or not there are so many layers of i need this to be true because fudge needs this to be true because the ministry needs this to be true for there to be stability
2: i'm with you i'm with y'all i i, 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 th- I my, my views are sort of a hybrid mixture too, of where she's coming in this perspective of harry's line and so everything he says is a lie and the details don't particularly matter And I think that's driven by the ministry narrative, and her desperate need for that to be the case, both from the ministry's perspective, but also from the sake of her own sanity of the world. Just rapidly coming, slipping through her fingers.
0: I mean, I think that there's also the, it doesn't matter if he says truths if he's a liar. And Mm -hmm. so it's a way for her to justify everything that she does with a, it doesn't matter if he's, you know, some things that he says are truthful. It is in service of the greater lie.
1: It, and I think, you know, too, that she is. She cannot backtrack now.
2: <laughs> she like, cannot turn she, back, otherwise she, she'll be lost.
1: She absolutely can't. She is in the advance, advance, never surrender camp. Um, that uh, they just there is no retracing her steps to get back to somewhere sane. Um, it's simply not possible
2: despicable villain that she is and she, I, I will give J.K. Rowling credit Umbridge is a wonderful villain to insert into this story. I can understand why people have been writing and talking about what a great villain she is for years. It is imminently satisfying to see her caught so completely flat-footed with respect to the Quibbler the Quibbler of all things <laughs> that as, as you guys noted the Streisand effect is just right in effect in terms of her efforts to suppress this and seeing the teacher-student revolt coming from all sources Extra points for offering water cans. What, what what was it? Sugar mice or something? Sugar mice, yep. Offered his little gifts on the side. And then ending with Cho and freaking Seamus and maybe even Seamus' mom
0: coming around. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, I, I think that the other interesting thing, and I wonder if this is some of it, and we, I think we've talked about this before um, and we're... we're basically i i i have this feeling that we're at the end of this being a thing in the books which is uh professors awarding points for the house cup um
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but my memory is that the points that he got for the watering can from from sprout were not quite offsetting the Tw- random 20 versus 50 <laughs> yeah and so you know it, it it's a I know this happened, but like, if, if I completely, I know if I completely offset it, it's going to get worse. Mm -hmm. Is is kind of what it feels like. Like, you know, there are sort of things that the student populace and the teachers can do, but there is a cost associated with it because we do see, uh, Umbridge wielding sort of power. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and I feel like we're also there on, we have some unseen, uh, education to Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, a whole bunch, you know. <laughs> right, 27 at this point. But, like, mm-hmm. we don't know what they are. And, and it does seem that, like, it feels like we're building up to, to some sort of showdown between the Ministry and Hogwarts. Um, that will be interesting uh, to see what happens there. Oh,
2: at, at least at present. Umbridge is winning. There's no question about that. Our victories are in the category of doomed moral victor here with this. Even... even... Dumbledore's victory at the end is still basically just plugging a hole. It's not actually fixing the underlying problem. Her influence is building by the day and they don't have a clear solution
1: to that. But I love that her influence is like, it, and this is what we really get in this chapter, that her influence is entirely based on the letter of the law, mm-hmm. right? It is within, she. she is a little sort of paper tyrant because her power is only the confines of the exact way that these educational decrees are written. Mm-hmm. She,
2: no. she, is, she is a bureaucrat villain in, in, a very, in a very authentic version of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I would really like to see at some point is we, we get to see in this chapter how Malfoy, Crabbe, and Coyle react to Harry's article and everybody's glorying in the fact that, oh, look, they're pissed at you and they can't say anything because you pointed out their dads are freaking uh, death eaters. I would love to see other people react to them about that news, though. The article just said that their families are, you know, a collection of death eaters. I would love to see what the rest of the student base thinks about that. Because we really never
0: do. At least not so far, anyway. Also super interesting to see anything outside of Hogwarts about this. Because this Mm -hmm. is widely publicized. There are a whole bunch of people that believe them. Same category. (laughs) you just outed a bunch of people as Nazis... And What does one do with that information now? Right. Um it's it's also super interesting because this feels like the mini- like the ministry won't do anything because again, you know, we're we're just focusing on Hogwarts, but like, you know, would the ministry open up investigations? Like what the ministry <laughs> Into seems the incredibly small and incredibly large uh on alternating chapters, and so it'd be curious to see like a little bit more of like a larger scope with some with some of these things.
2: It would. Uh, we're still on day 1. There may still be time.
1: We also, let's be fair, generally have to wait until the beginning of the next book to get the outside <laughs> world perspective.
0: That's true. Mm-hmm. This is <laughs> um they accurate. have to be on break. They have to pre- presumably summer break because that's the only one that's really long enough for people to to leave Hogwarts and and actually interact with the world, mm-hmm. so that that is fair.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: um, mm-hmm. So so yeah, it, it'll be uh, really interesting to see what happens.
2: Uh, B J, you already kind of discussed this, but the whole Harry's vision thing frust- frustrates me because I don't get it. I don't get the Order's response to it. I don't get Dumbledore's response to it. It's like, at a minimum, wouldn't you give him a dream journal? wouldn't you just ask him to write these things down each day so you can then mine through those? Because I thought, I, I thought briefly that it may not be necessary because we get a hint from Snape that he's providing a similar service to what, the way he, you know, what Harry could potentially offer here. He's giving a certain perspective on what the Death Eaters are doing, probably through the similar kind of skills that he's trying to teach or work with Harry. BJ has the thought. He's, what,
0: what is the thought, BJ? What are the Occlumensy lessons doing? I mean the, the This is the intentions. same question
1: that Ron had last no, chapter.
0: No. Right. But but Spencer, what what information does Snape get through Occlumency?
2: it uh, reads other people's minds. Yeah, he could be reading Harry's mind to just, just mine the information that way.
0: I mean that that would be the perfect way to do it without Why having lead, to really involve to involve the children in what is really an adult war basically. And if, if this is how it works, it it would be an ingenious way to do it. So, effectively, Harry's
2: the dream journal himself and Snape's just reading it?
0: I mean, because that, that'd be so much better than actually <laughs> have Harry write it down and whatever he vaguely remembers, rather than taking it directly from the source with other outside information, with how Voldemort operates, uh, anything else that Snape is doing to infiltrate uh, you know, the whole network, and, and getting information for when snape isn't there or the broader story and then being able to uh report back to dumbledore and form plans on this and and being able to do it with with just the adults but having all of the information that harry does that would be perfect if if that's the ultimate explanation i could accept that because that that
2: would at least be them mining and making use of the information and it would fall within a pattern of them willfully keeping their actual plans or the nature of their plans, the dangerousness of their plans, separate from Harry. It it, it does track some aspects of what we've seen before, BJ. Uh, Because otherwise, it just doesn't seem to work. I don't don't know why they would be teaching Harry to suppress this information. I don't know why...
0: Well, So it's not suppressing
2: information, it's guarding his dreams. It's guarding his dreams, but they're not asking him to share it. They're just... They're, they're not mining... They're mining it each evening. They have a direct through-eyes insight into what Voldemort's plans are, and unless they're getting it... For, you know, Snape is, you know, get, acquiring the information by means of their lessons to then pass it up the chain of command, or unless he's himself getting a, a, a same note-by-note kind of version of events from a different source or from his own dreams or whatever else, it seems like they're leaving very valuable intel on the cutting room floor. And we have set here... But like, do what you kind of what you just said. Snape isn't already you know in the know about all this all this information. He isn't mining it perfectly because he's re- surprised by what he sees in Harry's head.
0: Well, but it'd be new information. Yeah, I, like I, each, I know uh, your
2: explanation explains it better than what they're, otherwise we're seeing on the surface.
0: Yeah, um, I have I have another theory oh, as to to what's going on. Uh, this definitely should have been in my wizard wheezes, uh, but I can't think of a better place for it. Go on. Um, My vague memory, and sir, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, while your thoughts are in the Pensieve, you don't know them. Like, there's something for you to explore outside of you, but like, you don't have them. And so I have a theory that Harry has had loads of interactions with Dumbledore and the Order of the Phoenix and everything else, but it is in a Pensieve for them to be able to better explore it. And so he is been kept in the dark using the Pensieve, which provides a lot more useful information for the entire Order of the Phoenix. And then they take they use the Pensieve to remove the Pensieve memories, or, or it gives you a little window. And they basically send him back to, to class. And that's what all of his uh, uh, after class lessons with Snape are, and all of his attentions are, is the excuse for, for mining his brain with the Pensieve.
2: You're you're suggesting that they've been flashy thinging him the entire series.
0: I mean, it's not like he's gone to medical school. They don't have to worry about anything.
2: (laughs) They've been giving him happy memories in place.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a... I'm trying to figure out the level of seriousness with which to respond to this theory. (laughs) Because I think, while interesting...
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. at core you are basing it on a, a dogmatic understanding of what the Sieve does yep that is not correct
0: do we like i do don't so that?
1: so we don't we don't know exactly how how the pins how the extraction of your memory for the sieve works but i think that we get enough contextual information for how dumbledore interacts with the pensieve um that those memories aren't just gone from you um you know that they exist and you are the very act of being able to interact with them in the way that he does and to analyze the way him the them the way that he does from the inside means that you have to have continued knowledge of them even after you've extracted them from your head
2: which is interesting then because why is Snape doing it before each lesson my assumption was because he was trying to guard guard secrets or memories from Harry
1: right that's that's true I think that the difference is between the specificity of the memory and the knowledge that the memory exists
2: okay hmm I have not thought about it from that perspective we'll we'll need to think about that more Uh, let's break down what we get from Harry's dream here from Voldemort because I want to see if I got this correctly So, Bode, our fellow that was killed by the strangling plant at Mungo's, was under Mm -hmm. an imperious curse imposed by Lucius Malfoy Mm -hmm. uh, to attempt to take a something, they assume it's a weapon of sorts, from the Ministry Secrets Department.
1: The Department Uh, of Mysteries, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, he was effectively resisting the curse because it was impossible for him to do so, which is interesting to see that the Imperius Curse could, is, could basically be resisted to the degree to which you can't do what you're being tried to order to do. Um, and it was due to bad information that was acquired from Avery, who is now on Voldemort's oh my god shit list. Yes. Uh, with Rookwood providing this information given his prior background having worked as a Ministry official before he was sent to Azkaban. Uh, Rookwood is now getting them on the right track with some new information to give him, presumably, a different way to get in to get the weapon. I'm doing in air quotes, because whatever else. Yeah. And Bode was killed to tie up loose ends in case this information was ever, you know, if he was ever able to recover, he could then inform everyone that he was under the Imperius Curse and who did so. that a roughly accurate summary?
1: Yes. And then we also learn that it, it lines up with the mystery from the very beginning of the book of why Sturgis Podmore right. ended mm-hmm. up arrested, and the vague rumblings of him trying to get into a room in the ministry.
0: Also, very interesting how bad the diagnosis of curses are.
1: Yes, they're very difficult to disentangle from. And like, I, I don't know why it's so hard, but apparently it's very hard.
2: <laughs> what well, d- <difficult> dis- <laughs> it's, 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 it's interesting for the unforgivable. It's unforgivable curses. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that. They're they're, they're they're hard exactly to see what, what they were and what caused them, but they're even worse in terms of actually trying to treat or cure them. The after effects of these things can endure, in Bode's case, for weeks and months, but in the case of Neville's parents, years, if they ever are willing to come back.
1: One thing I kind of, I do like about, you know, even as, and we've talked about this, the kind of effects of spells can be squidgy in how they're mm-hmm. talked about in this world, Um, and what you can do and undo. One thing that I do really like about how this world acts is that if you mess with somebody's mind, Mm -hmm. there's no coming back from, from that. Like damage to someone's, um, damage to someone's brain, to their sort of mental state is unrecoverable. Um, after, a, you know, after a certain point, like enough trauma sure. to the brain, there is no mm-hmm. coming back from that. Um, and I think that's really interesting because we, we have seen that the physical ex- effects of spells are treatable. almost always treatable unless you're like really cursed, you know, unless it's like a real curse or something. But, um, well, I'm thinking about Mad-Eye Moody, really, who has a lot of very physical bits of him that have gone missing over the course of his life. <laughs>
2: those are compounded injuries. That man yeah. has got a lot of damage <laughs> piled on top of each other. It's a chipped stone that was then tumbled for a bit.
0: Yeah. And also kind of feels like he chose to keep
1: some of the things.
0: Like... Branding.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He is um, He is a, a man who understands his personal brand.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it kind of feels like I... You know, we could cure that. And he's just like, yeah, but I like it this way. <laughs> um, I would say that the other thing is like, to a certain extent, the... Medical prowess of that we see in the wizarding world very much mirrors uh what is going on in like the real world that you know there isn't a whole lot of progress in uh like what happens to to people with mental conditions Mm -hmm. and and so i think that there's a whole lot of uh the whole lot of problems with with giving anybody the ability to uh treat any of the this damage i mean i i think it like it really messes up the story and it really sort of messes up like everything about what uh might go on with with the story and and just sort of like how wizards would fit into anything like that they're able to cure wounds or whatever Mm -hmm. is is you know they could be sort of reasonable people in in society if they were sort of like a minority and not in enclaves but to be able to like mess with people's mind in e- even a positive way would be super problematic um and so i think that it's very reasonable that a lot of these things that messes mess with people's minds and wills are very much like this is dark arts this is stuff that you are not allowed to do for very good reason um and Um, except for the forgetting charm which uh and and stuff like that which i don't know why that's not much more in dark arts but we've talked about that a little bit but like the positive and 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 negatives of you know what is good and what is bad with messing with people's minds is i think a a question that is rightfully best left untouched especially Mm -hmm. for a series like this
2: uh moving on in terms of uh, Can I, I, no, sorry, please.
1: I I want to go back to this question of the Pensieve, mm-hmm. um and what it does to memories, because I feel like that might might have made a reappearance in questions. But while we were talking, I did just a, a brief bit of research
0: please. and
1: there's a convincing argument that Snape, the way Snape is using the Pensieve here to remove his memories to protect them from Harry is completely out anathema to how the Pensieve is actually supposed to be used. Ah, interesting. Um, So he's actually doing something different with it than what Dumbledore does. And because Dumbledore uses it not to protect his memories um, from Harry, but to relive them, to analyze them, to sort through them, that those memories for him are still, like the memory is still in his head. The Pensieve recreates a version of the memory Mm -hmm. Almost like a a carbon copy, essentially, so that you can go outside of yourself and examine it in a new way. Snape is doing something different here. Unclear how he's doing that, but it's not actually the way the Pensieve is supposed to work. Theory confirmed. (laughs) (laughs)
2: One possible interpretation.
1: Sure, sure, BJ. (laughs) (laughs) Uh
0: I I think it's much more that, like, that theory... My theory is possible given the information Your theory, but it is not yes. the appropriate use mm-hmm. of or not Dumbledore's use of the pensive yes
1: mm-hmm. yeah um and I think that bears out at least with and this gets a little sticky because we're, we kind of only see Dumbledore talking about the pensive and the way yeah. he uses it and we like I I take that and it seems like the argument that I'm reading here takes that to be the correct way to use the pensive yeah. um but also if you, I don't know, if you kind of think about the use of language and titling it Sieve, it does seem like it's more appropriate to use it the way that Dumbledore is using it than, than Snape as a sort of defensive position.
0: Yeah.
1: Anyway, I actually, I thought that the the argument was interesting. I kind of love the idea that Snape is going rogue with a <laughs> <laughs> uh because well. he's neurotic. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. let's yeah. move forward. I mean,
0: I, I also think it's, very interesting in, um, and I'd love to see this played out more, if you look at it in the Dumbledore looks at the pensieve as a, what can I do to explore? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and Snape goes, wait a minute, this could be really useful for these reasons and this way, and I'm going to exploit it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, as As a two different approaches to just, you know, a magic item that's there and and has these properties. I
1: love that.
2: Yeah. It's fascinating. They're using the same magical device, one to share, one to protect. Mm -hmm. And it's perfectly legitimate uses of both. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the subject of Snape, I almost feel bad for the guy when it comes to his training of Harry of where he's continually trying to just teach Harry, okay, I just want you to clear your mind right now. It's all I want you to do. And Harry the Duelist's response is to effectively punch him in the face. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> every time. Every time. To which even Stapes going, okay, that's not what I wanted you to do, but you know, okay, that does work. Maybe we'll try focusing on that going forward, because you're defaulting every time to punching me in the face. It's a strategy when someone's trying to access your mind, I guess.
1: Not quite as useful with the person trying to access your mind is not in the same room as you yes
2: if if harry can learn to punch people in the
0: face from a distance that's gonna be a hell of a power going
1: by all means by all means
0: um before we go further spencer what did you think of the things that harry got snippets of that 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 was my next point uh we get a
2: shot what i presume i'm presuming all of these are of snape and harry does too so we'll work from that uh Step number one, a shot of Snape's early childhood of where it's an abusive family life, a father with a hooked nose yelling at a cowering, crying mother with Snape crying in the corner. That don't look great. Uh, point number two, what appears to be a lonely childhood of him lying lying on a bed as a teenager, shooting the wings off flies from his bed because Snape has to mix both sympathy and cruelty in every equal measure, because <laughs> that's Snape. And then point number three is the most ambiguous of where it is, if I correct I don't have it in front of me, so tell me, tell me if I get this right, but it is seemingly Snape climbing on a bucking broom while a girl is just kind of there laughing, laughing. either mm-hmm. at, him, at him or happily with him as he's go, as he's doing this. Yes. Uh, uh, unclear. Those are our three points. First two, clear enough. Straightforward. Could, could have seen those coming. Third one's interesting. That's the one I'm putting a pen and a little bit of string in the wall because... That one stands out from the other two in a way that I don't have enough data, really, to assign it to. The fact that Snape's focusing on a girl in his head compared to the other two really stands in stark contrast. And I don't know what to make of that.
1: And it's interesting, like, just given our last conversation, like, these are not flattering memories for Harry to be able to get access to here. But these are the ones he chose to leave in place. They're not the the ones he's protecting. Fascinating.
2: Yeah. What what has he removed out of fear of Harry Ginning if Mm -hmm. this is surface read? Yeah. It's like, oh, Christ.
1: I also love the idea that Snape has to sort of, like, triage and prioritize, okay, what are my worst memories because I can't take too many memories out? Like, I assume that something, like, obviously, if you take too many, especially if you're protecting them and doing this in the way that Snape is doing it, you cannot take too many of your memories out or I feel like things are going to go real sideways.
0: I... I feel like we know some things that it would be very reasonable for Snape to take out, or at least we have some hints of things that would be very reasonable for Snape to take out as long as you know everybody's been telling the truth because mm-hmm. there's no reason mm-hmm. for them to be there. And honestly, like it probably is better for Snape and Harry's interactions because we know a little bit about, at least presumably, um and i'm blanking on harry's dad's name but like james james was a bit of a bully to snape oh and to put it mildly from what we've heard i mean he damn near got him killed right well at least from snape's point of view I, i i don't know that we have that confirmed but especially like if he feels that way first of all like my understand like you know we haven't talked too much about this but like the memories in the pensieve may may or may not be what actually happened but at least the perception and so like no one wants to go back to those memories and and of snape just getting tormented by by james like harry probably doesn't want to see that no
1: and if anything it would be more in snape's benefit as a cruel act to harry to show that side of his father right
0: yeah and there's no way that's not what's Probably at the forefront every time because of who Harry is and what he looks like.
1: So we don't normally do, obviously, we don't normally do any spoilers here. We try to stay away from them as much as, as humanly possible. Should I, I do mouse? No, I'm just going to point to a small thing because you could see this in the index without moving forward. Mm. The title of two chapters from now, chapter 28, is Snape's Worst Memory.
2: Oh, looking forward to that shit.
1: So, I don't think that gives anything away, but signals that we are not done with this conversation.
2: H- Harry yeah. gonna, Harry's gonna knock over that bull, and it's gonna be <laughs> fascinating.
1: Um, Just little ghostly versions of childhood Snape wandering around doing weird shit.
2: I, I would be very but, amused if it's the most petty shit possible. It's petty, minimal shit possible. <laughs> it's like, you wanted to hide the memory of when you pissed
0: your pants when you were five? Like, <laughs> what? Like, why is that a thing? Um, I. Hmm. Which is super frustrating because there's a thing I want to know about 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 these memories that I assume we don't get this in the movies.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, we get some of we get some of this in the movies.
0: Okay, do we get the scene mm-hmm. of the girl laughing at Snape on the broom in the movies? I don't.
1: I don't remember specifically. Um, okay, and I'm trying to remember if
0: if it was there. What if it it had been
1: memorable. I, well, I'm, tra- I'm I'm actually having trouble remembering. I don't know that we get. I'm trying to remember how much, if any, we get of the actual Occlumency lessons or sure. if this thing of Snape's memories comes out in a different way. And I okay. I just can't remember right now.
0: We, you we, know, someday in like four or five years. We'll, we'll be able to, really we're gonna to watch, to watch, watch them. them. Yeah,
1: it's going to be great.
0: <laughs> they, they
2: may be remade by
0: then. <laughs>
1: they might be by the yeah, at our pace they might uh,
2: we end the chapter with what is both a pitiful and a cruel scene of Trollani being dismissed and it is surprisingly painful I was not expecting it Trilani's not a yeah. character I've necessarily cared much about but just the not, not even casual not even callous but just the malevolent glory in which Umbridge is just savoring this scene I, I dismiss her too much as being pathetic she is pathetic But she is dangerous and cruel in a way we've rarely seen in the story. Uh, We do see Dumbledore stepping in, swooping in at the 11th hour for the sake of demonstrating that he has not been idle. And it does reveal what both Umbridge's end goal was and how much Dumbledore was aware of it, of where her purpose here has been to slowly take over the teacher base, replace them with useful drones from the Ministry so that she can have eventually full control over Hogwarts. Uh, The... Dumbledore's revealed that he has recruited a centaur for this job. Uh, Sarah, what was, the, what was the name again? Ferenz?
1: Ferenz, yes. Ferenz. We, we've seen Who him We have before. seen before, yeah. yes.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, it, Ferenz, a... not Ferenze? Interesting.
1: That well, works. yeah, this is going back to, which will not make it into the podcast, but the Cairo, Versailles, Cairo Cairo, Versailles, <laughs> Versailles. We are in England, my friend.
2: If they pronounce it how they will.
1: Don't bring that Italian shit near. <laughs>
2: That's just confined for Romeo and Juliet kind of plays. That's all we do that for. <laughs> uh, it, it's an interesting mic drop moment. I mean, it's a mic drop from the sense that, you know, Dumbledore saw this coming and his plan for it. But it, it, I almost want to say that's the fact that he's a centaur also seems to be very targeted, too. And I'm curious about that. It, it, it could be very much a targeting towards Umbridge. I, we've gotten some indications she's not particularly comfortable with non-humans or at least very prejudiced against them. And so now that one has joined the faculty seems even more of a shot across her her brow but i'll be curious to see more on that point because it, it doesn't just seem like she's so shocked because he saw what she did coming it seems very shocking to her that this is the
0: guy that dumbledore hired so I'm... i mean i don't know it's it's a little surprised that she has you know this rough of a time with the center early on okay yeah
2: i I, I, I agree I think, I think there's more that we'll need to see on that point when it comes to
0: uh, why she seems to respond to me negatively to this but and yeah I mean it, it's it's nice that the that, that, that Dumbledore is uh, bringing people in early on to to uh, foil her plans indeed uh, on the
2: subject of house points though uh, Sarah, this was a long chapter to summarize there's a, a lot going on and a lot of characters swooping in and out but uh, start off who wins who who got who gets the most points this year? who has good chapters
1: <laughs> so i think we need to have a discussion about this i do not have i do not have the answer to this because i was i was thinking about it and i was like you know what we're going to talk about this in real time because almost more i think almost more than any chapter we've talked about at least in this book everybody we see is kind of on a roller coaster
0: mhm
1: um uh- I have a nominee,
2: and I hundred percent agree. Everyone we actually spend time with is getting a journey when it comes to yes. this chapter, and so I th- my nominee, based yep. on the fact that they're not actually in the chapter, but they are talked about enough. I think they qualify. Mm. Luna's dad. <laughs> Luna Luna's dad has is having the best day of his damn career with the Quibbler actually being re- read by everybody, with his little paper now being the talk of the town. Sure.
1: I I agree with that. I think actually, um, if we wanted to to go with an option of somebody that we at least see in the ch- actually see in the chapter, I think we could extend that success out to Luna, um, she seems happy. because she actually seems to be having. She's a little upset that the s- s- scrumple horn Crum- crumpled horn snore cack snore cack. <laughs> um, that that article got pushed with which, like, I'm with her, really, in all honesty. Like, let's be clear. Um, but she does seem to be kind of glorying in her father's success, which I think is charming.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's really nice. I, I feel like Hermione has to get a big check mark for this chapter. Like, she's having a good chat, like her plan came to fruition. It that's worked true. really well. That is true. Like mm-hmm. Everything about this is machinations yeah. that we saw earlier that are coming to fruition.
1: You, you're you right. I do. I feel like I kind of forgot about Hermione in this conversation because we see so little of her in the latter half of the chapter. Her wins come mm-hmm. early.
0: Yeah. Um, she, she has a uh, knowledge bomb to drop on Harry. <laughs> and uh you know basically mike drops and 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 leaves mm-hmm. that's true it was the wise. i don't know her advice chapter. is so
1: uh, bad to me i i feel that's i fair. feel like i can't in good conscience reward her for this
0: um what? i feel like harry has a pretty good chapter like i'm not saying he yeah. should be the winner but like of of how he does in many chapters like
1: I, I, he does have some wins this chapter. My only, my, the reason for not giving it to him, for in my mind, the reason for not giving it to Harry in this chapter is that he ends on Occlumency. Hmm. yeah, and he ends. I'm try, Let me, let me look at this last page yeah. after I Dumbledore feel- reappears because, like, my. I. It's possible that I'm reading into Harry's strained relationship with Dumbledore at this point in you, the book. You're, you're not with anything. <laughs> well, no, but frustration with him kind of deus ex Dumbledore coming out mm. yeah, to deal with this when Harry hasn't seen him or gotten advice or help from him.
2: Yeah, well, what, like, I think
1: what? that that makes me feel like harry has a bad taste in his mouth at the end of this chapter
0: yeah i mean what? we don't actually get that in text but but yeah. that is fair um yeah. and i feel like it should we should have a uh, dumbledore ex machina as the uh and <laughs> uh the way to refer to it but
1: <laughs> i don't i think it's i think it is god working through dumbledore <laughs> I, I do, I'm standing to buy my original <laughs>
2: Fair enough I, I, I do appreciate the hair I forgot to mention this earlier I do appreciate how much Harry is just no longer giving a shit about the optics of him seeing through uh, Voldemort's eyes that when he wakes up he's like no 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 hey, Ron you'll come to terms with this in a minute I'm going to recount exactly what I saw and everyone's going to be okay with it because yeah. I've gotten in on the, the friggin villain of the story and I need to talk about that right now yeah. No, but been Ron even th-
1: says, like, shouldn't you tell somebody about this? Which, what? Ron is the voice of reason we have always said God help <laughs> is us. the sign of a bad chapter for everyone. Yeah.
2: But, uh, but it's, it's a nice progression from a couple chapters ago where Harry was like, oh my yes. God, I'm seeing through the villain. Everyone's judging me. I've got to hide this. This is the worst thing ever. Yeah. Now to, no, this is what happened. Let's talk about this. I'm not going to share it with any of the teachers because fuck them, but I'm going to at least tell my friends what's going on.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, like, I, I don't think Harry Potter is the winner of this chapter, but I feel like we have to acknowledge when he has a pretty good chapter. Yes. Um, but the the only owls that we see are unnamed owls. So clearly it is not a great chapter for Harry and he cannot be the winner. <laughs> Those are
2: the rules.
1: <laughs> That's them's the rules. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to give it to Luna because I actually think what we see of her. I think she's having a great day. Okay.
2: Uh, is Trelawney our loser?
1: I think she might be. Because even though she gets to stay, like, that's not...
2: Consolation prize at best.
1: That's not the question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And she doesn't doesn't want to stay at the end
2: either, necessarily. Well, yeah. Hard hard to read, whatever else.
1: I don't know that she likes teaching, but she does like attention. She likes performing.
0: Yeah.
2: It's a humiliation, if nothing else. A very public Mm -hmm. humiliation as well. And in some ways, even hanging around is in some way... I can almost understand her desire at the end to want to leave, just because hanging around is still a continuation of that humiliation. It's still hanging yeah. around her that she's no longer a teacher anymore. She's just a weird artifact of the school.
1: Yeah, yeah, and but the reality of the situation, as she points out, is that like she doesn't have anywhere to go. Um, she doesn't have marketable skills. <laughs> she doesn't yeah. like she would have no way of making making it in the world outside of Hogwarts. Which, you know, I think we we get the very clear impression that Dumbledore is keeping her there because he knows that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I also feel like we need to mention Umbridge having a not good chapter. I mean, yeah. I, like,
1: I don't know. Yes. She's not really
0: showing it, but like basically everything, but I guess, the, I don't know. This is, this is one thing that I find weird, um, which is she really enjoyed the Gryffindor loss mm-hmm. in quidditch Mm -hmm. which feels weird because if it was just that harry wasn't playing like is this just because harry was i guess upset about it but like he doesn't seem really upset on the page i don't know just it feels like one of those weird things like why is it specifically about gryffindor losing if it's not just about harry because she seems obsessed with i don't know anyway
1: i think i mean i take your point i do think that there's like a weird I mean, there's always weirdness with Umbridge and her, and like what she is taking pleasure in in any yeah. in any given moment. But I do think that, well, yes, she would like for Harry specifically to be upset at the travails of the Gryffindor Quidditch team. I think more than anything, she is she is getting a thrill from seeing
2: her actions have effect.
1: The effects of her wielding her. Accumulation and wielding of power.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I did this. Look at what I did.
1: Yeah. Um, And so, like, if Harry is specifically upset, awesome. Bonus. Um, Yeah. But, but really, the downfall of this, the downfall of this Quidditch team, the embarrassment of this Quidditch team has more to do with what I have accomplished in the world, the actions that I have put in motion. That's fair. Uh, shall Shall we move on to questions? Yeah, um, I think Trelawney ultimate loser, but I think Umbridge is a real close second here because the only win she really gets is is that moment with the Gryffindor loss, and like she gets more educational decrees passed, which she always likes, but it feels like she's running on it. Like in this chapter, it feels like she's running on a treadmill that's going like point two faster than she can actually up yeah. with.
2: In, in terms of optics she's playing catch up the entire time yeah. each of her grand gestures are not under her control they're in specific response but first one's in response to something the other side did and it, it fails her utterly and then her final thing yeah. that she's building up the entire book for in terms of firing a teacher she immediately sees that she didn't understand the game that was being played and is quickly outplayed by it
0: yes yeah um so quick question off of that maybe not quick question do we ever find out how educational degrees are
1: passed um, I, I feel like, are they just from Fudge? I don't know, I don't know. if they need, like, the wisdom gamut, or...
0: I was thinking it was just Fudge.
1: A certain number, because I'm trying to, there's one...
0: Which also is sort of like, you know, how, how much power does Fudge actually have? Because it sort of felt like he didn't have a whole lot of power, and now he has, like, a ton of
1: power. So, for at least... Yeah, yeah. So they're signed by Fudge specifically. They have the Ministry of Magic seal on them, but I don't know if they need to be sort of passed through a committee or something. I'm not sure. It seems like they come, they present as coming directly from Fudge.
0: Um, I guess, I I just don't remember ever seeing one, which is why I was kind of like curious about it. Because we do get a lot of this is in accordance with this.
1: Yeah, no, we've had a couple of them like reproduced in the book.
0: Okay, that's fair. Right. I just yeah. you know, didn't remember.
1: So. And we're getting it. I know, I also know we're getting one in a couple of chapters, but I'm pretty sure we've seen them. Okay. I'm pretty sure we've seen them before. Okay.
2: Well, if, if, we're, if we're starting off questions with that, uh, Sarah has <laughs> I previously threatened crumble horned snorkax, which if they did not Snorlax, Pokemon, I'm sure would have sued. Um, <laughs>
1: I had a hard time. I had to train myself this morning to get ready for my intro to not do, not misspeak into a Snorlax. Uh,
2: are these? Are do we have any reason to know whether these are real? I'm just curious. I want to know how much of a crank publication the Quibbler is. Um, they. Uh,
1: it's always a little unclear with what Luna and her father have come up with in the Quibbler. The internet seems to believe that they are imaginary. Hmm. But they supposedly live in Sweden. <laughs> here, I mean, oh, so here, here's the um, the snippet view when you search for them in the snippet. The snippet view is from the Harry Potter Lexicon. Yeah, Crumple Horn snork hacks are elusive, non flying, and probably imaginary creatures which live in Sweden.
0: <laughs> I mean, this does kind of feel like Bigfoot or whatever being. Yeah. It's in the Pacific Northwest, and yes. it's like okay. But they're imagine- like, hmm, what are we doing here?
1: So, um, y- yes, uh, we also have a couple of things that are are citing them as, as likely a delusion of Xenophilius Lovegood, so. The
0: misstep that I'm assuming was Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, that it was not him, like, pursuing all of the n- not-actual- <laughs> like the the really fantastic beasts and possibly finding them, and that being the book or movie. I mean, like,
1: I think there's some of I think there's some of that.
0: What you, well, okay. I, like, I, I, like no I, I, I think
1: I it's been a while since I have read the book or watched the movies, which I stand by because I just want to live in the world a little longer. But that's a different conversation. Um yeah, that's fair. I I seem to remember that like part of the thing is. He's looking for, yes, fantastic beasts that are fantastic simply because they're magical and we all knew existed in the first place. Mm-hmm. But I think that he also f- like discovers rediscovers some of these sort of mythical yeah creatures as well i don't I don't remember, but I think that was part of it. It would make okay, sense, if that fair. was part of it. but it
0: would have been incredible if none of them actually existed, yeah, and it was just like you know bigfoot smudgy pictures or you know whatever the wizarding equivalent of that you know whatever the wizarding equivalent of you know alien flying saucers uh mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. just all of those um that 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 would have been such a funny movie mm-hmm. or book or whatever that it never like would have gotten been made because i think the people that would have enjoyed it and found it funny would have been a very weird subset of people yeah but
1: yeah I'm also trying to figure out... I'm trying to do a little research on this process of passing the educational decrees.
0: Yeah.
1: <sighs> um, so I, it's it's squidgy in all of these explanations. The most, that's fine. The, the most detail we get is, again, from Harry Potter Lexicon, which is the educational decrees were co-created by the Hogwarts High Inquisitor Dolores Umbridge and the Minister of Ma- Ministry of Magic during Harry's fifth year at Hogwarts. I... Yeah,
0: yeah. I imagine a Dolores says, "I need this," and they're like, "Okay, this." Yeah. Um, There,
2: there seems there seems to be an implication throughout a lot of this that the ministry has always had a minister in in the in particular have always had a lot of soft power that was just under rules of decorum not wielded. Yeah. And Fudge has just thrown all of those previous ethical restraints out the window in terms of his decision making.
1: Yes, I also imagine
0: that it could be no one. Has decided whether he has this power or not, but he's wielding it until somebody says no. Right. That
1: that also feels right, um, and like for reasons, Dumbledore is working around it instead of confronting it head on. Which I I feel like we could go into a lot of legitimate reasons for that being the case. I don't think that's like out of bounds, but. Um,
2: there's an, there an English cultural respect for the institutions in terms of there's a reason that of all European countries uh England didn't have a communist kind of revolt they didn't they, they didn't have you know workers mm-hmm. in the streets in 1848 kind of thing respect yeah. for institution and also, I am I am seeing a reading. lot of
1: I am seeing a lot of tweets that write this particular historical moment of recording this podcast that are sort of like French government says we are going to Extend the yeah. retirement age by two years. The French people, burn it all. We will, we will drop the Eiffel Tower on the moon. Uh, whatever is happening in Britain right now, the I, I've forgotten what the specifics are. The British people are just like, oh, shoot.
2: I, I remember I read one historian talk about it. Like in 1840, every country had you know a, a revolt of some kind in Europe. All of them. England didn't Mm -hmm. one of the main reasons one of the main reasons that a giant protest was formed the government hired hundreds of thousands like tens of thousands of police officers and troops that were at the ready and one of the main reasons that they didn't march was it rained that day Mm -hmm. it's a very different perspective on terms of protests and rioting
1: (laughs) (laughs) if only BJ they had had plastic Macs
2: if only (laughs) Uh, question about the teachers at Hogwarts Um, Yeah. If I'm correct in my theory that Umbridge and the Ministry are not particularly comfortable with the idea that there are non humans teaching at the school,
0: mm-hmm.
2: there are a lot of non humans teaching at the school under Dumbledore. I mean, Friends is just now the third. I, I like, unless we want to count ghosts as non humans, but I think that's maybe pushing it a little bit. Um, but Flitwick is non human, yeah. right? Uh, mm,
1: Flitwick, no, is Flitwick? Flitwick is human. If Flitwick is human. He's just short.
2: Okay. I, I think I would have lost money. I almost assumed that I, I've seen images of Flitwick before from the movie, and I was assuming that he would—they were going like a route of some kind of gnome or goblin kind of thing.
1: I no, I think that we we never get any evidence that he's less than human or other than human. Hmm. Not tomorrow. <laughs> a, Loaded. An umbridge, an umbridge phrase. Um, but there is an interesting scene in the in the movies where umbridge. Clearly thinks that he might not be human, because mm. they do a montage of her doing the inspections of different classes, and she is like using a magical measuring tape to measure his height.
2: Ah, well. The question I have to ask is the trend. Then we'll, we'll just use Hagrid and friends as an example of mm-hmm. having non-human or demi human or half human or whatever else teachers at Hogwarts, is that a new thing under Dumbledore? Has there been any history of that previously or is Dumbledore now started something that's been going against the grain?
1: Um, that's a really interesting question. I don't I'm not entirely sure. Um I'm gonna see if I can do a quick search for it. It feels to me like this has been happening.
0: Are centaurs demi human in this world?
1: Uh I'm gonna tell you right now that the centaurs would take great Umbridge at being associated with being even possibly part human. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I guess, I don't know that we actually have any... I think this might be a new thing.
0: It, uh, it seemed like it would be interesting I also imagine the Goblins could have been teaching math. Sorry. Go ahead, Spencer. <laughs> Thank you, PJ. That might be true. <laughs>
1: um, I'm not sure. There's not a lot of information on it. I think this might be a new thing. I think we might have had only humans up until essentially Hagrid. It it, w-
2: it would fall into the further grounds by which the Ministry distrust Dumbledore and ponders what his motives are.
1: Yeah. Well, because also, I mean, there are and have been since I think the Goblin Revolt very strict rules about who is allowed to wield wizard-like magic, who is allowed to wield a wand, specifically. Um... Mm-hmm. And Hagrid was because he is half human, um, even though his wand was destroyed and now lives in pieces inside of his pink umbrella. Hmm. Um, But I think that there was there was a lot of conversation about whether that should have been allowed in the first place. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, Ferenz does not have a wand and has Hmm. no real interest in having one.
0: A A different kind of magic on display.
1: Yes. How
0: personalizable is magic? So, what I'm re- referencing is um, the uh, Quibbler that mm-hmm. people bewitched. So, if only they were reading it, was like was it readable, or it was magically blank uh, when anybody else looked at it? Mm-hmm. And there were a couple, you know. So, how how tunable?
1: I think. I mean, I think it's pretty pretty tunable. Um, but I do think it's one of those things that depends on. I mean, I think it depends on a lot of factors. I think that it is much easier to t- to tune and personalize these kind of small charms like this. Um, yeah, because I'm also thinking about when they enchanted the Quibbler article that was up that they hung up in the right. Right. That was per. That was personalized because it is is chanting specific things the little badges that chant weasley is our king or that you can tap and turn into different things like i think those are all degrees and i think it's it's important that those are like relatively small charms in the world they're not like the big curses they're not i think it's hard i my impression is it's hard to kind of change the the big magic like that
0: yeah, that makes sense. I, I guess this this is one, one uh, I guess, another uh, spot where I'm like, oh, these are all sorts of things that you could do with personalization like this uh, that have uses in many ways. Um, so I think that it, I'm curious to see if it comes up again, because yeah. I think that there are a lot of things, I mean, particularly... Anything that that any group does, like the Order of the Phoenix or Mm -hmm. the Death Eaters, to Mm -hmm. have it personalized or personalized to a group means that it's so much harder to find out anything uh, any outsider to like break in.
1: I would like to revisit this question next chapter. okay
2: BJ, write it down. Are there other questions? questions?
1: Sorry, (laughs) I thought I was expecting a more of a reaction to that. Are there
0: any other questions? I mean, stuff that's like things will be revealed in the future, read and find out is like, all right, well, that's a thing. So well, yeah, I, perfect. I perfect.
1: actually, but I also actually didn't, I don't think that anything is like, re- I think we get interesting nuance on this conversation yeah. next chapter. Yeah.
0: Right. That's fair.
1: But I can't tell you what that nuance is because it is like actually a real spoiler.
0: Yeah. For in the next ways chapter.
1: that you wouldn't necessarily expect from the conversation we're having right now. <laughs>
2: In light of that, I kind of want to stop my questions and look what the next next chapter's title and pictures are.
1: Let's do it. That's called a segue, Spencer.
0: So, a, a tidbit of information that I found very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Sanderson mm-hmm. thought it was seg because he had only seen it written for a really long time. Um, and <laughs> there are a lot of people that, that agree with him. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know that, that I've ever had that problem, but I've had that problem in many other cases, Mm -hmm. but um, it thoroughly entertains me. And he thought that the vehicle Segway was how you pronounced it when you wanted to pronounce Segway, and it meant something slightly different.
1: (laughs) Oh, the dangers of being a child who grew up reading and lonely.
2: (laughs) Reading more than speaking.
1: (laughs) So our next chapter is chapter 27, the centaur and the sneak.
0: That's a serious stump that he's got next to him.
1: It, in fact, it is.
0: Um, what's going on with his chest?
1: It, like oh, I know mark. exactly what's going on oh, with yeah, his chest. Oh, yeah, it is a hoof mark. Yeah.
0: And it's an un- unlucky one since it's facing Upside down. down, yeah. I mean, if you have one because you got kicked, which is...
1: I'm unlucky regardless, I
0: would yeah. assume. <laughs> Do you think they fight like kangaroos? Because the direction of that hoof mark... Kind of looks like they just, like, rear up and smack <laughs> each other.
1: I think we're going to get that quite This is, this is a read-on-and-find-out BJ situation. <laughs> I had not thought of it in terms of kangaroos, though, which is very funny. <laughs>
2: know, um, it, it, it seems like a return to the art style of the prior chapters, too. We talked about the, the last chapter, a kind of unique art style for the, the uh, intro chapter picture. This one looks more like what we've seen before.
1: Although it is a little bit, I feel like the the um, the change that's been carried over between this image and the last chapter image is a, a, an allowance for real backgrounds in ways that we have normally, I'm flipping through the chapters now, we have normally gotten sort of figures without... Context. like figures or people without context around them except for chapter 21 the eye of the snake which had has the eyes coming out of the dark bushes that's true. um but like most of the chapters don't really have backgrounds attached to them um and so i i don't know the the leaning into the context around a figure is interesting to me mm-hmm.
2: I, I enjoy it it gives it much more sense of the world about
0: hey sarah what look at his right hand hold
2: on the one that's on the stump
0: uh stump yeah Okay. It's uh interestingly shaped. It 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 has that reminiscence of uh AI trying to draw hands.
1: Yes. Yeah, and I think it it yeah, it's Hands are It's hard. recognizable as a hand.
0: <laughs> hands are hard. Yeah. I I, I don't disagree, but <laughs> I, I was I was like, "Oh, that left hand looks like surprisingly reasonable for for, you know, a drawing like this." And then I saw the right the one. The other one like, does Ooh. not. No. Nah. I mean, that's a that's something. <laughs> Hey, BJ, we
2: haven't read it yet. Maybe there's an in-story explanation.
1: Maybe there's maybe at the same time the hoof mark gets explained, we will understand the hand. Until then,
2: y'all. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Bye guys.